people? Oh, come on. Thank you, thank you. Are there any people that would love to be anywhere else other than here? Maybe specifically your own bed. Thank you, Denise. Denise is always with me. I love it. I love it. She's always with me. She's the one that's going to stick it out with me here. So, you know what? We all come in here with different uh, uh, emotions, feelings. But praise be to God, he never changes. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, let's get into the Word. Mark Lowry. Anybody remember Mark Lowry? He said one time that he had named his bed the Word. Ever heard that one? So whenever people, anybody would call up and they say, where are you at? He said, I'm in the Word. And uh, made him sound super spiritual. But, uh, hey, we're talking about the gospel. Let me hear you say gospel. Gospel means the nearly too good to be true good news. That's what the gospel means. Nearly too good to be true. And I just want to take a couple Sundays to continue looking at the gospel, different aspects of the gospel, and, and, and what the gospel really is, because sometimes I think we've completely and utterly missed it. And I want you guys just to hear with me what the gospel truly says, what the gospel is, who, and, and, and what it means to us. Now, for most of us, when we think of the gospel, we think, get out of hell, right? Go to heaven. Who would say that? Yeah. And that that, that is a very simple uh aspect of the gospel. It's a big aspect, but it's still the simple core aspect. But is that all of it? No, it's not. And what we want to dive into just for a little bit today is uh, the aspect that uh, Reformed theology uses three, uh, three titles. Now, I am not going to bore you with every one of these, but you, some of you probably heard them before. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Okay, we've heard those before. So, if I was in a Reformed church, I'd say we're going to preach on justification today, which is exactly what we're going to preach on today, what we're going to talk about today. But I'm not going to use justification uh, as a big fancy word. What I'm going to do is I'm going to use the phrase, getting right with God. Okay? Same thing, but getting right with God. Anybody ever heard the song, To God Be the Glory? To God be the glory. You know that song? There's a part of the second verse that goes like this. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer. Everybody say believer. The promise of God. The vilest. Oh, I like that word, vile. Everybody get in your mind right now that one person you would put next to the word vile next. Or that one situation or circumstance you would put vile next to. Or that sin you would put vile next to. Now how many know that all sins are vile? All sins. Everybody say all. All sins are vile. From the most horrendous murder, assault, murder, to the smallest white lie. All sins are vile. That's an old school word, isn't it? Vile. It just means sickening, disgusting, filthy. Vile. 
but it goes on to say, the vilest offender who truly believes, does what? Believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Oh, I don't think anybody heard. They just saw Kira come down the aisle. Kira, you stole my thunder. I'm going to try it again. That moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Are there any vile offenders in the house today? Okay, the eight of us who were vile offenders at some point. Are there any vile offenders in this church? Yes, we all have been and honestly continue to be. You're like, oh, what, what, what? Yep. I'm going to talk. I'm going there. We need to hear this today. When John the Baptist first saw Jesus coming towards him, right before John was going to baptize him, he said this, Behold, the Lamb of God. Everybody say Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now let's look at the Lamb of God. What was that signifying? What had they used lambs for along with doves and heifers? What had they used those for for hundreds of years because of the law covenant uh, from God? What had they used those for? Sacrifice. But the problem was sacrifice was always happening because animal sacrifices never really measured up. And sin kept going on. In fact, let's step back a little further. I don't think we fully get a grasp on this, uh, so I just want you to follow me. I don't know that I do fully. That's why I'm, I'm asking the Lord today to really open my eyes to this. There is this thing that we have to understand. God placed in that garden of Eden uh, a, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. His desire was for Adam and Eve to experience all the splendor, all the joy of freedom, and not get caught up. My wife shared with me this yesterday evening. Not get caught up with the law of trying to do it right or be good enough to make yourself okay with God. You know, God said to Adam and Eve, you're good. Here's the garden. Live it up. Just don't go there. But how about human beings? What are we good at doing? Going there. And we end up there. Now, one of the things I don't think we, we, we can fathom is this. There are two aspects to God, and I'm going to get to this real quick. I don't want to confuse anybody. There's two aspects to God that no other religion has ever even been able to figure out. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's a mess. But somehow, when we really begin to look at the true faith of, uh, uh, found in Jesus, there are two aspects of God that, even though they look like they're opposed to each other, God perfectly balanced them out. Everybody say mercy. And everybody say justice. See, mercy and justice, do those go together? No, justice says, I'm serving up punishment because of what you did. Mercy says, I am what? I'm not 
not gonna, I'm not going to lay it on you. Grace says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. But somehow God had to balance, because of his love, mercy, grace over here. And he also had to balance justice. Now, folks, I really don't know that we can fully grasp this issue of God's wrath. Understand God's wrath. And I'm like, you're like, oh, great, here we go, a sin message. Listen to me. In order to understand God's grace, we have to understand God's wrath. In order to understand God's mercy, we have to understand what God's justice. Okay? Bear with me just for a couple minutes here, okay? Now, I want you to hear very quickly as I read Isaiah 53. I want you to listen as it's prophetically told what is to happen to the Messiah. Who was the Messiah ultimately? Jesus. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 8. Just listen. Let it settle in, okay? Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't even open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the sin of my people, he was punished. Does that sound very, uh, very, very enjoyable, what's going on there? Actually, it sounds kind of deep, doesn't it, what's going on? Someone's taken a whole load on themselves. And we find out prophetically that this is Jesus. But then we have to take just a step further in Matthew, where Jesus is in the garden. And he says this, my soul is deeply grieved. He was heavy at heart, okay, to the point of death. Everybody say death. That's in Matthew 26. And, in fact, in Luke 22, we find out his sweat was so intense it became as like drops of blood. I'm going to challenge you on something here. I want to challenge our thinking here. How many of us have just assumed that Jesus, now I've always, always preached this before, that Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross? <laughs> Who would? But he chose to out of his what? Love. He didn't feel like going to the cross. But how many have figured, just probably in your mind thought, well, for the most part it was because of the punishment he had to endure. And so in our minds the punishment was what? The crucifixion, the beating with the cat and nine tails, the, the crown of thorns, uh, the, the, the spear in the side. A lot of it has been physical kind of thought as to the punishment that Jesus endured, correct? Because there's been many, understand, look up here, there have been many who have endured some horrendous kinds of punishment before in, in, in the, the life of human race, correct? Some horrendous things. So it's not that Jesus 
just didn't want to go and have nails put in his wrists and nails put through his feet and a spear put through his side and a crown of thorns on his head. It's not that that's what he was sweating blood over. You with me so far? That's not, and I'm challenging you on this because this is is challenging me. That's not what he was concerned about. I don't think he felt like going through it, but don't miss this. I don't think he was concerned about what he was going to endure physically. Because quite honestly, what he endured physically was simply the wrath of man. You follow that? The wrath of man was the nails and the, and, and the feet and the sword in the side and the, and the crown. Everybody get that? Because who did that to him? I'm just speaking it, it, literally. Who did that to him? Man. And did others have that done to them? You say, what are you saying, Dave? Well, I would say that we don't have a clue what the wrath of God looks like. Don't miss this. Don't miss this, please. The wrath of God is not being hung on a cross. Did you hear what I just said? The wrath of God is not being hung on a cross. The wrath of God is enduring every ounce of what your sin deserves spiritually. I have to tell you right now, why do you think addictions... Uh, busyness, the whole nine yards, runs rampant in society because people to just sit down quietly, even if you're not a believer, what starts to happen? You start thinking. And that sin in your life begins to eat at you like a cancer. And before you know it, you're, you're, you're beginning to to go mad with what's going on inside of you, and you're trying to find everything else to cover it up. Anybody been there before? And before you know it, before you know it, we are faced, many of us who have heard the gospel, we are faced with the fact that, you know what? The wrath of God, while paid for, and we'll talk about in a moment, is only paid for for those who by faith believe in Christ Jesus. Otherwise, there is a wrath that is beyond, everybody say beyond, Spiritual comprehension. I, I can't say it. We sit around, we think about hell. We paint this picture of flames and a fire and everything. Folks, I'm talking about enduring the weight of your sin. For eternity, the flames are the easy part. The worm that dieth not is the easy part. The wrath of a father who laid all out. We're going to get to this in a second. This is why we need, we need to go this way in order to go this way. The wrath of God is unimaginable. Famous message preached back 300 years ago. Um, actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take a step further. (laughs) Two of the seventies folks around here. I'd want to admit it. 
born in the 70s, maybe in the 80s. Not born in the 70s, grew up in the 70s. That's right, sorry, sorry. Grew up in the 70s. Some of you had long hair, right, Mitch Moore? Had long hair. The post-hippie 70s. Anybody remember a guy named Alice Cooper? <laughs> I love to meet you. Like, woo! <laughs> Alice Cooper. Now, some of you outside of the 70s probably recognize that name, too. Pretty vile stuff he did. He's a singer. Pretty vile stuff. Uh, interestingly enough, he still does a lot of singing. He's very choosy about the songs he sings now, my understanding is. But he's a believer. Matter of fact, he's a Sunday school teacher in his church. <laughs> but he's a believer. He's a believer now. And he made a statement that, <laughs> that blew my mind. But even as I'm preaching right now, that's why I just swung through it. Because I thought, wow, this is great. He said, I would rather fall into the hands of an angry devil any day than fall into the hands of an angry God. It has nothing to do with the flames of hell. It has nothing to do with being hung on the cross physically. It has to do with the weight of our sin that we would live with and the judgment and the justice that is is, is, is poured out. We don't understand how bad sin is, I guess is what I'm saying. You guys understand that? We live in a society that's poo-pooing sin left and right. Sin, we, we just we make it amends for it. We rationalize it. Sin is beyond devastating. It is beyond destruct, destructive. It is beyond dis, de, destroying. Sin will mess you up for eternity. Oh, please don't miss this. Look at me, please, just for a moment. Sin will destroy you for eternity. Every sin. Who sinned already today? Thank you, George. Thank you, Marcellus. What did I just say? Sin will destroy you, even the smallest one. Who sinned today already? You can't be beaten enough to make it go away. You can't be hung on a cross enough to make it go away. You can't be shoved into hell and burned alive enough to make it go away. There it is. Who's hearing that right now? Do you see how heavy sin is? Do you see how heavy? And so God's got to deal with that. The wrath of God's got to come down upon that, and he's got to deal with that. Does that affect anybody when you hear that today? Or is that just like, oh, I've heard it all before. You see how easy it is? Some of us who probably, oh, I've heard a message like this before. That's right, Dave. You preach it to them. Any guilties as charged on that? I'm so glad that my husband's here today to hear this. Oh. Taking it with a grain of salt, my friend. <laughs> Guys, God's wrath is more than all the things we've ever pictured it being. God's wrath is an eternal, spiritual attack, destruction. And, and the crazy part is, I, I've heard it said, yes, there's a separation, but the greater separation is not from God, but from His love, grace, and mercy. 
Did you hear that? It's not so much that I'm separated from God. It's from I'm se- God can only operate in my life as a judge. And what do I deserve? Judgment. Spiritual judgment. I heard the other day, motorcycle gang. Motorcycle gang, one of their, their, their old members died. 78 years old. They called him Grandpa Bob. Imagine motorcycle gang, the Grandpa Bob. But he was one of the founding, founding members. And at his, at his funeral, they, uh, they all gathered around, talked about all sorts of the craziness of the day. Back in the day, all the, the terror, the violence, the murder, and everything else, and legal sins that they were able to be a part of and whatnot. And they all just laughed and joked. And they started to joke about how, oh, we don't want any of this religious garbage. We know where Grandpa Bob is. The devil is in the unemployment line now. Oh, and we all know where we're going because we're going to just have, we're going to party. We're going to have a good time together when we all get there. Now, you say, oh, my, that's just awful. But that is how most of us, in some way or another, poo-poo the whole sin issue. We just don't believe it. If you would ask those guys directly, do you really believe in hell? They probably would have said what? I'm not even here to preach a message on hell. I'm preaching a message about sin and the wrath that comes and the justice of sin that comes upon sin. So what's our hope? You know, just finishing up, Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you what? He was completely and utterly ready experience the full weight. We sit around, anybody could have been crucified. Guys, we don't have a stinking clue what Jesus went through. We have no, not one iota. Being crucified was the easy part. What he endured, the weight of every sin in this house and every house and every community, every state, every nation upon him. And there are those of us, some of us, that can't even handle a little shot in the arm at the doctor's office. Upon him, he was prepared. Why? And he had to go it alone. Uh, I think that was the hard part. The son had to go it alone without the father. But I'm just going to share something quickly from 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 9. Is everybody ready for this? In fact, you need to take hold of this and receive this. God has not destined us for his wrath. Okay, about eight people like that. So I'm going to say it one more time because I don't want anybody to think about dinner right now. For God has not destined us for his wrath. It was never his intention. As a matter of fact, this sounds rough, but I think God got the raw end of the deal. He had to take part in something that was, have something put in his job description that he didn't want to have to do. Did you hear that? He had something put in his job description that he hadn't planned. Well, I shouldn't say he hadn't planned on, but he didn't want to do. The wrath of God against us. You ready for this? 
the wrath of God against us, both present, when's present, and to come, when's that? Okay, I'm going to say it. The wrath of God that every one of us are going to endure unless something changes that we can't change. The wrath of God, both present and to come, has been quenched. It's been paid. It's been taken care of. How? Well, according to Romans 5, while we were enemies, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, hey, you were an enemy. Look at your other neighbor. You were an enemy of God because of your sin. You were an enemy of God. But Romans 5 says this, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How many think this message is too heavy today? Yeah. Should I do a little more life application, like how wives should treat their husbands and stuff like that? Okay, today we need to know heavy duty. We will do that someday, though. But I'll have my wife up here preaching with me. But today this is what God is speaking to us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. We were, and this is probably about the only time you're going to hear me say this, justified. Everybody say justified. Let me hear it one more time. We were justified. Now, who's excited about that? I want to hear you say, we were justified. Anybody glad about that? Hey, let me tell you what justified really means. We were justified. It means you were pronounced or treated as righteous in spite of what you did. No matter what you did. Oh, I think Wayne got it, man. Listen to this one more time. You were pronounced or treated as righteous. God forgave your sin, and not only that, everybody say, God forgave us, but the best is still to come. You want to know what that is? You ready? Yeah, God forgave you of your sin, but then he also knew, hey, not one of these guys are able to be righteous. Look what they've done so far. (laughs) They're still not going to make it into reconciliation with me, even though I want it. Even though I want them, even though I want Carrie Weeks to be a part of who I am, I want her to know what a good father I am, and, and I, I love her, I created her, but she can't do it. And I can forgive her till the cows come home, but guess what? Unless she has righteousness, she is righteous, she will never enter the kingdom. Did you hear that? Unless you are righteous, you will never get to heaven. Unless you are righteous, you will never experience God here on earth. Unless you are righteous, you'll never be filled with the Holy Spirit and and experience the power of God that he wants to pour out over you, in you, and through you. You won't. So he looks at Carrie and he says, you know what? I forgive her, but I'm going to have to go a step further. I'm going to have to take the righteousness of the only one who ever walked the face of the earth. His name is Jesus. And I'm going to take that righteousness, and as I forgive her, and by faith, She trusts me. I'm knocking the table over. By faith, she trusts me, and I forgive her. She believes in me. I forgive her. I am going to take Jesus' righteousness and put it right in. So that when I see her, I don't see what she can't do. I can see what has been done already. 
ooh, does anybody need that right now? Think about that. Think about that. I don't, when I look at Jim Bunyard, not Dave Chappell, when God the Father looks at Jim Bunyard, he's not looking at what Jim can't do. Oh, hear that, people. He's not looking at what you can't do. <laughs> I think it's starting to ring a bell. He's not looking at what you can't do. How many of us look in the mirror day after day and look at ourselves and condemn ourselves for what we can't do? I can't stop sinning. I can't do this right. I can't love people. I can't forgive people. How many do that? And yet God the Father does not look at you and look at what you can't do. He looks at you and sees what's already been done. Oh, uh, hello. How does that feel? And I just say, I had no clue what fully what was going to be preached today. Praise the Lord, how he's just pulling this together. I'm just going to read a few scriptures because I always want it to be straight out of the word. Do you hear me? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, this is what it says. For our sake, whose sake? He made him to be sin. Who got made to be sin? Jesus. Jesus was made our sin, made sin. Who knew no sin? Jesus was perfect. Knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you hear that? We become the righteousness of God. (laughs) Did you do anything for that? Could you make that happen? Could you be good enough? Could you be smart enough? Could you love enough? Could you forgive enough? No. Only God Almighty, these poor people, I'm spitting all over them. I'm so sorry. God Almighty is the only one that could transform you and lay his righteousness in you so that when he looks at you, he doesn't look at what and what you can't do, but he looks at you for who is in you and whose you are. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, everybody say faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Titus 3.5 says this, He saved us, amen. He saved us not because of the righteous things Jim Bunyard did, because you didn't do any, did you? Sorry, you're the one to get picked on today. I don't see Aaron anywhere, and I laid off a Wayne for a while, so I'm going to pick on you. Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So Romans 3 says, so we were made right with God through faith, not by obeying the law, not by trying to do things the right way, but by simply saying, I can't do things. I can't be right. But what I can do is put my faith in the one who is right and righteous and holy. And I can be set free. Not by anything. How many even know that God has to give you the strength to even have faith in him? I mean, he has to draw you. He has to call you. He's in complete control. I've shared this before. Remember the Michelangelo picture where, where God's reaching down, a man's reaching up. Everybody has seen that old picture in the Sistine Chapel they have there? I don't know how accurate that is because I think when God reached down, he had to reach all the way down because man couldn't do a blame thing. He couldn't get the hand in the air. 
God had to reach down and touch man and bring life into him. And then call him. And then prepare him. And then minister to him. And speak truth to him. Declare the too good, to, nearly too good to be true gospel to him. And say, you know what? I know you've screwed up. You screwed up bad and you deserve everything you get. But I love you way too much. So I'm going to balance out this whole mercy and justice thing. I'm going to take the one that I love. And yes, he's going to endure some painful things on earth, but he's going to endure hell like no one ever has before once he passes from this earth. And he's going to take the weight of all your sin so that justice can be made. Then, if you walk in faith in me, then all I have to do at this point, all I get to do at this point is pour out my Anybody hearing anything today here? See, justified, I like what Chuck Swindoll said this. I have to tap into one of those old school preachers. Why? I don't know. But I like what he said here. Justified doesn't mean just as if I've never sinned. This is what Chuck Swindoll says. I want everybody to grab hold of this. It means that even though I'm still going to sin at times and have found myself unable to stop sinning permanently, Come on. Isn't that freeing that Pastor just said? It, it, it happens. Now, I'm not going giving you a license to freely go and sin because God's grace. But on the flip side, God's grace is far greater than sin. And I've said this before. When our eyes are focused on sin and, what we, and trying to overcome sin, guess what we'll continue doing? But when our eyes are focused on love, grace, and mercy of God and what He has done and our justification before Him and where we stand with Him now as He views us and sees us, guess what we stand a chance of overcoming? Sin. Because our eyes are on His eyes. Quite honestly, folks, if we in America, who are caught up with everything else around us, if we in America could grab hold of what God really did and has really done, do you know how hard that would push us towards desiring to serve the Lord in a greater way than ever before? Not because of anything we're doing, but because we suddenly realize, holy cow, man, I, was in, I, I just dodged a bullet. No, you just did dodge 60 nuclear bombs is what you just, you, you just dodged God's wrath here. Wow. I dodged God's wrath. The devil would be the least of your concerns. You say, what kind of God is he? He is a God that cannot be around sin. But he's also a God that wants to be around you. So he had to make a mess. He sent his son. His son died. Yeah, it was a horrible death, but then what he went through for three days was beyond comprehension. And he took the keys back. And he rose from the grave. Hey, check this out. Romans 4.25. Listen to this. Jesus was raised for our justification. How many speeders we got in here? 
see who's got the most speeding tickets ever. Danny Grant, okay. Let's just say Danny Grant has 18 speeding tickets. No. Danny Grant was out cruising out. Well, I'll tell you, I was supposed to go to a funeral. I was, I was going to a funeral, and I was late, and I got stuck on Middlebrook Avenue. This is not the first time, folks, so don't feel bad for me. When my wife got married and we went to get new car insurance, the lady said, hey, we have good rates, but the bad news is you married the wrong person. So um, I'm headed to, down Middlebrook, get stuff, get my ticket. Decide I'm going to go ahead and I've paid all my other ones. I'm just going to go ahead and go to court and see what might come out with this. And so I go in, and uh, the gentleman... The judge says, you ever been to driving school? I'm like, no. Do you want to go? No, not really. He says, well, you can pay up front. No, well, I'll go to driving school. And so I go to the front, and they uh, fill out a t uh, ticket basically saying that if I go to driving school, then my ticket is paid in full. So got to driving school, did my thing, had that stuff. I almost said transcripts somewhere in my driving school. Uh, I'm sure they were stellar A pluses, but um, I had that sent in, and I got a little a little thing back, basically paid in full. My ticket's been paid for, right? I was glad to have that because I mean I don't have to pay out any more money for what I did wrong. You follow me? That little receipt was nice to have. You know who our receipt is? And you know why he's our receipt? Because the word says very clearly, Jesus was raised from the dead for our justification. So because he's alive today, by faith we stand before God, justified, whiter than snow, clean off. Oh. Some of you guys, I know, some, how many Christians just struggle and you almost want to give up because you feel like, I keep failing at this thing. Anybody? Oh, man. Okay, thank you, thank you. I keep failing at this thing. I keep sinning. I keep falling. And, folks, I'm not talking about living a life unto the flesh where you constantly are just living your own way, self-justifying everything. I'm talking about the fact that we do fall into sin, even as believers. But there is a God that has justified us and says, come, to back. come back to me because I love you. Know what I've done for you. My wife and I have been having this discussion here. There's really becoming this real divide amongst ministers of the gospel more and more, in, in, especially in America, but in the world. You've got your, your, your pastors that focus quite heavily on sin and hell, and you've got your pastors that focus... Uh, quite heavily on grace. Now, I know there can be extremes on both ends, but I'm going to tell you what. I just want to take a look at both. Neither is one of those, which is wrong, which is right. I'm not going down that path, but I will say I'm seeing a lot of fruit with those that are starting to get a grasp on God's grace for them and not just how much they've sinned. Are you following me? Now, if I were to look you in the eye and say God loves you, you would say what? Yeah, he does, sure. Well, how do you know? 
because he says so. Well, great. Keep going deeper. How do you know? We have the song, Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Great. But how do you know he loves you? By faith? Let's go deeper. How do you know he loves you? We're getting closer. How do we know he loves you? Okay. How do you know even deeper he loves you? This will be a simple answer, I promise you. He sent Jesus. He told me. Justin, there you go. We're getting deeper here. How do you know? We'll just finish it off with this. How do you know? Because he is alive today. He's alive today. If he wasn't alive today, it would mean he didn't love you all that much. But because Jesus is alive, his love is available to all. His grace, his mercy is available to all. And for those of us who continue to focus in on our sin and our failures, we are refusing. Everybody say refuse. We don't like that word because it means responsibility then. We are refusing to receive what is ours. And what is that? His grace, mercy, and his love. How, uh, how long will it take for you to beat yourself over to the head in order for get, to get God to like you? How long, will, well, what, what do you have to do to get God to like you? Nothing. But I've messed up, I've screwed up, I've lied, I've cheated. I've done. Jesus paid it all, all to him. Do you believe those words that you just said? But I'm not perfect. Ah, join the club. What we have to be concerned with is that he was, and where does he live? Michael English had a song years ago that said, The only thing that's good in me is Jesus. And the awesome part is this, that's all we need. To God be the glory. So, my salvation from death only comes from believing that Jesus is enough. (laughs) And that the life I live is actually his life lived through me. So, because I still have sin, I find all the more reason to be grateful for his grace. (laughs) Quite honestly, if we fail, you know what that really should drive us to? Him. How many of us sin and we run the other way, feeling unworthy? Hello, how many of us run the other way feeling unworthy? And then you don't show up for a couple weeks, and then that gets into a habit. You don't show up for church for several months, and that gets into a habit. Before you know it, it's because you got yourself into sin, and then you started believing the lies of the enemy that told you you were unworthy. And when all you needed to say was, I know I am, but he's not, and he deemed me worthy, and I am whiter than snow. In his eyes. What should that do for you? Lift you up. Raise you up. Right back into fellowship with him. I deserve vengeance and wrath, but my only hope is grace. But praise be to God, what doesn't make sense to us, God said, I love you guys so much that you know what? You deserve my wrath, and yet I don't want to see it happen. 
you deserve everything you got coming to you, and I don't want to see it happen. I want to bless you. I want you to know how, how I desire to see you, how I've created you to be, and I have amazing, great things. I have justified you. When I look at you, I don't see what you can't do. When I look at you, I see who it is that's in you. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. And, Lord, my prayer right now is that people here today would grab hold of this. We've spent far too long beating our heads against the wall trying to walk the Christian life. Amen? We've spent far too long trying to do it right. Amen? Rather than leaning on the everlasting arms, allowing God's grace to do mighty things in us and through us. God, I thank you for every individual here today. And I just pray an outpouring of your love, grace, and mercy in this house. I pray that it just blow through this place. Lord, I pray that people take hold of who they are in you. Wow. Hey, everybody, look up here real quick. I know you want to go home, but that's okay. I'm going to ask real quick. Lorraine, who are you? Sweetheart, when God looks at you, who does he see? Brother George, who are you? God looks at you. In spite of your imperfections, who does he see? Jesus. Jesus. I dream of a church one day, including your pastor, that gets this and lives this. I have been justified. Can anybody give a shout of praise in this house today? Go in the peace of the Lord.